This is TDPS. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. Christopher Rice. <laughs> and I'm Eric Sonkland. <laughs> and you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher and Eric, already in progress. And Eric, yes. You sang my name <laughs> oh. for me this week. <laughs> Sorry. Christopher just lost it. He's coming to pieces here in the studio right in front of me. Uh, I gave him a look. You gave me... <laughs> he gave me this look. He asked me a question and looked at me like... I was. I might hit him, and so I gave him a look back, and it was like, okay, and then, and here we are, just completely unprofessional and falling apart. Falling so it's just apart, like usual, as usual. But I have to. It was one of those moments where I was still treating this like it was a live show. Like I whispered a question really quickly, like the countdown was on, and it's like we're just fucking recording this. We can just not. We can tell Brandon to wait. <laughs> we can start literally whenever. It's like flying private planes. You can start. You can take off whenever you want to. <laughs> we did a live show for so long it's just hard to get out of the habit okay it's only been 10 years since <laughs> it's it or not whatever. been 10 years it's been like five okay been like well, five yeah. years so anyway that's, that you couldn't possibly have gotten over it by then even though we've been doing the show from home in our pajamas for <laughs> just, a year and a half i'm so happy that we're not doing this from home I, I'm glad to be back in the studio. Our glamorous Sunset Boulevard studios. We're going to do some social media posts that Somewhere. show us back in the studio. The sunset strip. You in front of your gorgeous red curtains that you picked out from JCPenney to support there. That was back when- Because I was born this way, baby. Um, Yeah, that was that back was when the, the, yeah. the million mom attack on Ellen for mm-hmm. being- They attacked pennies for getting Ellen to be their spokesperson. And I was like- Okay, well, we're buying whatever drapes we buy from pennies, for God's sake. Yeah. And they did a fantastic job. They're gorgeous. They're absolutely stunning. They're like our brand, the drapes that you picked out. Red and puddling. And what's that called? A valance? That thing at the top? Yeah, the valance. The waterfall valance is really something. The valance looks like it should be the prom dress for um, a woman who gets an ugly duckling makeover and an 80s teen comedy. That's what the balance looks like. Well, that's it actually was that. And that's we, that. And we, we let it out and hung it up on the walls. <laughs> I wanted it to look like um, a proscenium, like a theater. And like it the does. Front, like the front curtain at a theater. Yeah. Because it's a very, because we're a bit theatrical. We are a bit theatrical. Just a little, just a sousson. Eric way more than me, though. Uh, Eric way more than... Uh, you know, almost anybody. More, absolutely. Celine Dion struggles to keep up with my level of theatricality. 
<laughs> all right, all right, all right. Enough with the theatricality. Enough tomfoolery. This is a very Let's serious get serious. Episode. This is we're continuing very Pride serious. Month broadcasts yeah. here, and so we need to get dead serious because that's what Pride is all about. Is about being serious. Yes, exactly. No, it, it's not. It's about celebrating and being happy and being who you are and but enjoying it's it. Focused celebration. Kill you. Focused <laughs> celebrations. No, I don't enjoy it. God damn it. We want to have a conversation about representation of gay characters in media. I think that's what we're going to be talking about. And we watched a bunch of different things. It's like a collage of stuff that we have on offer today to talk about. But you were so excited about one thing in particular. I thought we could lead with that. That's what I whispered to you before we started. Do you want to start talking about Cruella? You do want to talk about Cruella first? And I was looked at him like, are you, have you lost your mind? We're alone in this room together. It's soundproof. Why are you whispering? Um, <laughs> you can just ask me. Um, I don't know why I do a lot of the stuff that I it do. It was really funny. I, yeah. So I gave him a look like, what? Yeah, anyway. Uh, what? And then he lost it. And then that's where you joined us. And we're still talking about it. Because even though you weren't there and can't see it and have no idea what it is, it's still funny to us. So yeah. you should suffer. Totally. Okay. So you were talking about this movie forever, right. and I'm the one. I'm the one that actually told you there was supposedly a gay character right? in it. I just love Cruella Deville. She was a hero of mine. You just are Cruella Deville. A friend of mine, actually, back when I was still a smoker and still was allowed to drive, um, <laughs> my friend said it was like going for a ride with Cruella Deville. Mm-hmm. Um, the top down on the old. Uh, Mercedes 560SL, which is still in the driveway. I'm just not officially allowed to drive it. I haven't been driving it. Um, Let's make clear that that you're not not driving because of a run-in with the law. No. <laughs> well, I mean, sort of. Not right. like I didn't get a ticket or anything, but when mm. I went to renew my license and mm. um, it came time to do the eye test and yeah. they said cover one eye and read the thing. And so I did. And they said cover the other eye and read the thing. And I said, well, I can cover the other eye or I can read the thing, but you can't have both. And they said, oh, mm. well then, mm-hmm. no. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that was the end of that. Um, and I still could do a workaround, but honestly, I had quit driving pretty much. I took an Uber to the DMV yeah. to renew my license because I really don't drive anywhere anywhere. Yeah. I quit before that anyway. Um. So, yes, mm-hmm. very Cruella DeVille, but also it's from, you know, that story that I always tell. You've probably heard it more than most people because you Tell it me, again. But, tell but it again. like, I'm from Natchitoches, Louisiana. It's a very small town in mm-hmm. um, Louisiana. And when I was young and dinosaurs ruled the earth. Pterodactyls um, blackened the skies. Right, it was, um, air conditioning was not as universal as it is now. And it was very warm in Natchitoches in the summers. And I would go to the Cane River Theater. I would come up with the... It must have been a quarter. It can't have been much money. I don't know. I wish I could figure that out. But the whatever sum it was, I would come up with and go and spend the entire day in the movie theater mm-hmm. at the Cane River Theater because it was air-conditioned. Mm. And I fell in love with the movies, but I also fell in love with London because of Mary Poppins mm. and 101 Dalmatians. I didn't know it was set in London. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And it was it may have been more the reason that I fell in love with London may have been 101 Dalmatians because it was more contemporary. Mm-hmm. Like Mary Poppins was wonderful, but it was a, older. It was Edwardian England whereas mm-hmm. um 101 Dalmatians was 
the way they did it in the movie, it was kind of the 60s, and that would have been mm-hmm. when I was there. So um, anyway, and Cruella Deville was just so fabulous. So mm-hmm. yes, they've done a, a sort of prequel version of young Cruella, how mm-hmm. Cruella became Cruella. Uh, movie that is now out in movie theaters. You can go see it. AMC isn't even asking people to wear masks. Several of the big chains wow. are not even asking people to wear So you can go to a movie theater and see it without even a mask on, although you might still want to. Yeah, um, personal choice. Just for, yeah, yeah. personal choice, whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, and it's also on... You can get a premium access on Disney yeah, Plus. Yeah, I don't like that. Now I don't like you have being to pay a bunch extra. Or, or, like, yeah. But then once it leaves the theaters in August, you'll be able to just okay. watch it on Disney Plus regular. Yeah. Um, you won't have to pay a premium. So if you want to wait six weeks, you can still stream it at home. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to wait. Um, and so uh, yeah. So I and it was oh my god. It's Emma Stone and Emma Thompson and. Oh, I'm so glad because sometimes, the, you know, I knew your disappointment level would be huge if it didn't measure up because I knew how excited you were for this. Yes. So you're happy. It's a oh, thumbs up it's, before we it's get into really, the game. I had a ball. It was, there, you know, which isn't to say I wouldn't have done things differently of and course. there aren't stories or whatever Absolutely. that I wouldn't have told in a different way. And like the thing that it did, and it's a Disney movie, like there was a level of niceness among the bad characters <laughs> that I'm always a little disappointed by. Tell us what you mean by that, Eric. Well, Sharkman. like they'll start off something like where, like they do it with TV shows all the time. They'll start off, there was this TV show called You're the Worst mm-hmm. about these two horrible people mm-hmm. getting together and getting to be in a relationship with each other. And you know, they were horrible for a few episodes and then they became nice. Mm. And I just, it's like, that's not why I'm watching. Right, yeah. You know, you don't need for everybody, everybody doesn't need to be nice. Like, in real life, yes, I am in favor of a lot more niceness. But mm. when you're watching, you know, a movie about Cruella DeVille, for fuck's sake, mm-hmm. and the horrible woman who was sort of her mentor in horribleness, mm-hmm. played by, brilliantly, by Emma Thompson, they can just be horrible. You know, like, Gorilla's a criminal. Right. Right? And her two henchmen, the two people, like, you even get their backstory. The two people mm-hmm. who help her steal the Dalmatians in 101 Dalmatians. Are there any Dalmatians in Cruella? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's kind of the beginning of that whole... You meet the Dalmatians that killed her family? You meet the Dalmatians, you meet... Yes, that's <laughs> the, why she's so hostile. <laughs> that's the Christopher Rice version right. of this script. Totally. Absolutely. Her family is torn apart by, <laughs> by, by wild Dalmatians. By wild Dalmatians. Have you ever met a Dalmatian? Dalmatians They're are crazy. crazy. Those They're are crazy. Just crazy dogs. You had a Dalmatian. We didn't did. You? We had a Dalmatian. Daisy. No, we had a Dalmatian. I think Dolly was its name, and a bull mastiff. And that Dalmatian would fight with that. That would be like, bring it at me, giant dinosaur-sized dog. And they would just go at it on the back deck. And it was not like that. Go at it. I don't mean that. <laughs> Maybe after. Dark. But that Dalmatian had no fear of that giant dog. Now, Lucky was a giant sort of gentle horse of a dog, except when I went to school, he would apparently urinate all over my bed because he thought I was the other puppy and he was vying for a top dog or whatever. Um, but uh, anyway, how did we get off on this? The point is Dalmatians are really frenetic. Everybody drink. Energetic dogs. And I made Cruella 
about You even me. made a story about no, dogs no, about you. No, you set it up. You said you guys had a Dalmatian, so there's no drinking. You can't drink. So if you could Eric say sets yes, it up. But, the, but when we get to a point where the bull mastiff is peeing all over Christopher's bed because Christopher is <laughs> somehow figures largely in the story, it's like, yes, it's everybody drink. It's, yeah. It's the, yeah, <laughs> all right. It's all about Christopher Drink, again. drink up. Have that amaretto sour. So, okay, um, so anyway, Cruella is not about the Dalmatians that killed Cruella's family. It's, um... It's about uh, it's about her. It's her young Cruella. We first meet her; she's like eight years old. Oh, she's wow. in school, so it's about how she gets to be Cruella. And it's in many ways that my favorite part of it is kind of a celebration of being who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, of not subsuming who you are into what other people think you ought to be or mm. how you ought to. And so I loved that. Um, the gay thing. There's a character who mm. I guess, you know, he's kind of flamboyant and mm-hmm. whatever, but like the only it's it's Disney. So yeah. somebody has a child mm-hmm. during the course, not not in the movie itself, but like somebody is somebody's parent. Mm-hmm. Um so that's as much sexuality as there is in the whole movie. Right. So it's not very like there's very little in the way of sexuality at all. She Meets this one guy who could I conceivably be, but I think LeFou from um from uh, Beauty and the Beast was way gayer, mm, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of actually because he was crushing on the Luke Evans character mm-hmm. um, through the whole movie, and then he danced with another boy at the party at the end. Um, oh, I so that. I feel like LeFou was the first gay okay. character in the Disney. And like you could make a case for this guy being gay, like probably would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Like, but he might just be, you know, an incredibly effeminate heterosexual um with eye makeup and you know, like he's very androgynous. Non binary. He's, yeah. he's very hairy styles, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. and the clothes that he wears and the looks that he he brings to the whatchamacallit, but he's also very fierce and mm-hmm. And glamorous and whatever, fabulous and Mm -hmm. yeah, and so he and Cruella Bond and but yeah, it's not really like it is the thing that, and because it wasn't put forward that way, I don't didn't feel bad about it. But like gay people are often sort of scenery and furniture in Mm. in other people's stories. And since we're going to talk about representation, the largest inclusion of us in most films is like. I still am not over the the television series that was about Provincetown where. Gay men were actually the scenery. Like, mm, mm-hmm. literally, they st- stood in front of them. The woman was the the the, the lead was a lesbian mm-hmm. um, detective, so she was, and I mean, she slept with everybody. So mm-hmm. she was. There was definitely not. You know, there was that, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, for a show to take place in Provincetown and have everything be mm. like, even the plot hinged on. A straight relationship between That's a straight ridiculous. police officer and a straight and, and, and the straight wife of the straight criminal wow. from straight prison mm-hmm. and the straight friend of the uh, lesbian right. detective who was in some way entangled with it all and his girlfriend and you know all of it. It was like wow, mm-hmm. and it's Provincetown. This is about yeah. Provincetown, like my God, or the show about um, the fashion industry about. Mm-hmm. All the straight people making jeans and fashion, and no gay people in it at all. Like mm-hmm. I just, mm-hmm. I, it really, you know. And when, then when we do get included, it's the um, 
Desperate Housewives, you know, um, version of the neighbors who are stand in the background or but are and are only part of somebody else's subplot. <laughs> I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shay Butters. He moderates the page and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at Facebook.com slash The Dinner Party Show. No, I meant in the car. So you recommended that I check out a movie that I had not seen. And I just want to say, I totally recommend Cruella. Okay. The, the gay character was not my original reason for wanting to watch it. I You didn't even know. I thoroughly mentioned it enjoyed, to you. You yes. mentioned it and we thought it would be great to talk about it in, in part of the inclusion show. And the character is, it is very sort of wide open in terms mm-hmm. of the, but it is not very specific about mm-hmm. anybody being gay. So I didn't want to lead anybody to think that they were going to get to see some, you know, mm-hmm. gay Mac and nobody kisses anybody. You know okay. what I mean? Like it's, right. it's, it is very Cruella de Vil. It is very Disney. Okay. And great fun. Cool. And I'll check gorgeous. it out. I'll check it out when I don't have to pay an extra fee to watch it on Disney Plus. I do not because you're not that. panicked like I am. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not as. I'm not a Cruella fan guy like you are. I totally am. You are. I actually have. In fact, I'll try and take a picture and post it. I have a painting I made as an adolescent young man when other young men's fancy had turned to fancy young men. I made um, a marionette. Did you of um. Cruella DeVille, and then I did a painting, a portrait of her that my sister had framed that's hanging in my office um, to this day. Well, we need to have pictures of all of these on the Dinner Party Show's Facebook page, and if we don't post them, Angelina Farmer will remind us, right? because she always reminds us when we forget but, about the um, Wednesday question. But yeah, the, I'm not sure if there are pictures of the puppet itself. In fact, I wonder where the puppet is. It probably Okay, but the painting somewhere. you but said is hanging on the wall of your office. hanging okay. in my office, so we yeah. can see that. The puppet was made out of paper mache, so I figure that's Ooh. no longer exists. Those never age well. They age like a horror movie. Well, it's mm. like how long would a loaf of bread last? <laughs> Not long in my house because right? I would eat it. Yeah, well, there's that. <laughs> and then I would fall asleep, which I got accused of. Was that our last episode when you accused me of sleeping through everything? Well, I didn't accuse you of <laughs> sleeping everything. I stated factually that <laughs> you sleep through asleep. it all over the, if, all and, the time. If I'm sitting still and I'm not writing or doing a podcast, podcast with you or driving a car and I'm I fall not asleep. talking and even and, sometimes when I am no, I know how to fall asleep while you're talking yeah I know um, okay you suggested I watch a movie called Ideal Home with Paul Rudd and Steve Coogan yes, because it is not only Pride Month but it's Father's Day when yes. this premieres now I don't know when you're hearing this but the first time it airs is actually going to be on Father's Day Sunday so I wanted to find a movie about yes. gay family which I have to say is not an easy thing to do. And you mean a movie about two men raising a child? I mean a movie about gay family, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. Um, I found two, um, which is great, but 
given the overall number of films that there are about families, mm-hmm. I think it's really kind of shitty mm-hmm. that that's it. I'm yeah. kind of surprised. We always what was tried the to, other one? We tried to make a movie out of Say Uncle for years and years mm-hmm. with and lots of stories there, and it didn't happen. But that was a would have been a movie about gay family. Mm-hmm. Um, the other movie that um, that I found was a movie called Breakfast with Scott. Okay. Did you S-K-O-T. watch it? I have not seen okay. it. Maybe we'll save it for next Father's Day mm-hmm. during Pride Month because it will always be in June and it will always be Pride Month. Um, and I'm not seeing the big rush to the box office to make movies about gay people. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. You know, so um, it's something I'm not very happy about because representation is important. What do you always point out? You point out that the year that Brokeback Mountain was nominated for Best Picture, it outgrossed at the box office all the other Best Picture nominees. It was the only Best Picture nominee that year that had made over $100 million. Wow. And when was the next Brokeback Mountain made? Mm -hmm. You know, like if a movie makes money, why would you not want to make more of them? What would be the reason for Mm -hmm. not doing it? And yet, in fact, when Moonlight won Mm -hmm. Best Picture Mm -hmm. after Brokeback was cheated out of it by that Mm -hmm. piece of crap... crash that nobody talks about or gives a shit about because it's terrible or liked <laughs> hate that movie liked it. nobody liked that movie anyway anyway but it won even the producers you remember they they ended up fighting with each other it was the most acrimonious yeah, they, movie. yeah i think they sued was, each yeah, other yeah, yeah. It was and they couldn't even decide who was going to accept the award mm-hmm. um on stage live um, yep. but when moonlight finally won an award mm. for a, a movie about gay people they gave it to somebody else, and then <laughs> right. didn't the the people who won the award didn't even get to make an acceptance speech because right. they'd already were so far over time, and it was mm-hmm. such a catastrophe. So yeah, I just really like mm-hmm. yeah, it is yeah. an area where there is very little in the way of representation. And while I'm delighted with Ideal Home, I loved it. It is a movie that I was completely unaware of and discovered by accident. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not the target market for Ideal Home, there isn't one. Yes. And the fact that there was no promotion directed in my general direction at all. Had you ever heard of it? I had never heard of it until you brought it up to me. You watched it about a year ago, I think. You Mm -hmm. mentioned it to me. And when you said this, I thought, okay, it's a movie. Paul Rudd's in it. Steve Coogan. It's going to be about two gay dads or two gay men who get custody of a child. It's going to look like it was shot for $5. It's going to be all favors. No, it it looks like a big budget movie with great sets. They're rich. They live in Santa Fe in a fabulous mansion. Whose mansion is that? Because it was a real place where they were shooting and it was spectacular. It's spectacular. And they are, and it's them and it's the script is great. And that kid, the kid is amazing. Oh my God. He was on a series called the kid. The the, The kids um, are all right. Kids are all right. He was. He is just. I'm really fond of that little actor, Jack Gore. Just amazing. amazing. I wonder if he's related to Al and Tipper and the gang. I don't um, know. I don't. Don't know. hear that last name a lot. What's appealing about this movie initially is that they are the last two. It reminded me on some level of Baby Boom, that Diane Keaton movie from the '80s. Yes. The people who seem the least qualified to get a child. They're not squeaky clean, perfect squeaky queen. Excuse me. <laughs> squeaky squeaky queen. queen. I love it. Hashtag squeaky queen. Hashtag squeaky queens. It's our new. That's yeah. It's our new absolute, podcast. Absolutely. It's about um, gay soap. Uh, no, it, they are not ready to have a kid. And he's actually the grandchild of Steve Coogan's character, right? From a in, from an experimentation that happened in the eighties. High school, the woman my, became yeah. pregnant, and he was never been as part of the the guy's life. The 
the kid's father is played yeah. by Jake. What's his name? Jake oh, McDormand. Oh, Jake McDormand. God, wow. Hi, he was on. Um, <laughs> I just took it creepy. I said, hi, daddy. <laughs> he was on. A, uh, you're the daddy. Who are you talking? Who are you kidding? Um, he was on. Um, uh, uh, what is it? Shameless. He was on Shameless. Yes. He made a movie. Um, or he made the TV series of that Brad Pitt movie, Limitless, about you take a pill and you can that, suddenly. Not Brad Pitt. It was I, I, um, Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. Yes. The Bradley Cooper movie. In so fact, many I think Brads. Bradley Cooper, I think, actually produced the TV series. It was it was great. I mm-hmm. would watch him do just about yeah, anything. He's, hot. Um, he's a babe. Yeah, he is really, and he plays the kid's dad, the son of mm-hmm. um, Steve Coogan's character, and who is a drunken sort of criminal mess and loses custody of the kid and says, "Go to your grandfather's in Santa Fe." And I don't even think they've met the grand. The, no, no, he doesn't yeah. even know that he has a grandchild. Yeah. They're having a dinner. This horrible, incredibly callous, sophisticated. Oh. Um, dinner party at their spectacular home in mm-hmm. uh, in Santa Fe. Susan and- Finnegar, the celebrity chef, plays herself. She's I don't know if you knew that. She had a, a string of rest border grilled in downtown L.A. I think used to be her big. I don't know what she's doing now. She would change over for a while. She had a place called Street that was street food from all over the world. She's actually sitting at the table. She is Susan Finnegar. Right with, Susan the, Finnegar. with the hat and the yeah. She had a, make a you cooking, whatever you want. She had a cooking show called Two Hot Tamales, I think. Um, anyway, so that was a cameo that I enjoyed. Yeah, it was, it was you know, so and the kid just arrives and madness yeah. ensues. We don't want to spoil it for you because it's a great movie and this is not a true crime um, TV show, so but we're I, not going to walk you through. But there, we could certainly talk about highlights and recommendations. Uh, it's also so much fun representation too. Like I, re- they were really Paul Rudd and Steve Coogan's no characters. They were around. really bitchy, high strung queens like you and me. Right. <laughs> they were. It was very real. It was yeah. very. There was no pulling punches. Yeah. You know. There was kissing, there was dancing, there was very clear representation of sex. There was, it was not, it didn't shy away from the realities of there's this couple and they're... They're not qualified or prepared to do this. At any level. At any level. And and so, but they learn. Everybody learns. Well, it's one of those it's movies. It's really kind of a coming of age story. Mm-hmm. Like both Paul Rudd and Steve Coogan are, have both kind of remained in this childlike stage right indulged by the circumstances of their lives they have not taken on a great deal of responsibility and, and, and let's this talk, is their chance to do it let's talk some about what their lives are steve coogan is like professionally he's like martha stewart crossed with the pioneer lady that's out there right now crossed with um you know there was the guy who did everyday elegance colin cowie remember he would have dinner parties on tv and they were always so stiff and awkward and he was like it's everyday elegance and it was always weird so he's this like cooking chef lifestyle, style, lifestyle he's a celebrity. lifestyle sort of celebrity and yeah paul like rudd is his um producer husband the children's birthday party who is just oh, when yeah. he throws a children's we mm-hmm. won't tell you i don't want to spoil yeah. anything but it is priceless like this is what he the kind of children's birthday party he would throw for these kids it was brilliant yeah it was brilliant uh, so th- they're they're really sort of pretentious and 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 all this stuff and the, the last thing they they want or have room for in their lives is this criminal son really who's sort and of a street And the kid is like a homophobic thug. Yeah, I mean he doesn't show up. Fag. He's not all sweet. It is yeah. not all sweetness and light, which I also liked. It, it mm-hmm. was very like it was like okay, that I could see how that happened. But happens. this gets back to your your you know your complaint about what it what it means when the gay characters are set dressing. What it means when they're set dressing or when they're tokens, right? 
is that they can't really do anything interesting because they're only going to get a limited amount of screen time. And the producers know that by including them, they're trying to broadcast how inclusive they are. So they can't make them interesting right. or nuanced and they can't do anything bad. And they bad. get kind of idealized. Yeah. They become like, you know, this, the wise one or the... The, right, the, the style savior. consultant, right? Or this, they're there to get, fix the, the straight girl's relationship or whatever. But the, in this, in the this, Will Truman, right? In this, you get to um, you get to experience the full spectrum of who these guys are. Oh my god! Because it's their movie. Everything is about. Yeah. It's all about how this is impacting them. Like the kid is great, but it's not a movie about the kid. The kid it's not. The kid is great. Yeah, and and. Seeing the kid, seeing the relationship develop between these three people over the course of the movie is moving and funny and delightful. And I just really, it's a remarkable sort of achievement. And amazing to me that it was so completely unsung. Yeah. But also, you know what it was about? I, I think you touched on this, is that it was about how the kid impacted their actual relationship as yeah. two gay men. It wasn't just about we're going to give ourselves completely to this child and it's going to fix everything. It was about the impact. when Because when the movie starts, their relationship is not in a good place. In fact, probably not going to make it. Yeah, totally. So it was great in that regard, too. Yeah, I, I didn't hear a word about this movie. Never heard of it before. And I I've never heard about Breakfast with Scott. I don't know if it's yeah. any good or not, but whatever. But yeah, so unpromoted... Not really out there, not very... And this has every earmark of being a mainstream film. So does Breakfast with Scott. I mean, mm -hmm. big name actors, big time whatever. Who's in Breakfast with Scott? It's, the guy from Ed, right? That old right, TV show, Right, the guy from Ed, Ed I can, yeah. whose name I can't remember. But both of the characters are um, well-known actors. I mm -hmm. mean, it's not like they're, um, as I recall it, um, it's not like some you know, art house gay film, which there's nothing wrong with that. And I appreciate art house gay films for at least kind of keeping the idea alive that one day there might be big screen movies. But I think it's really, you and, and um, Scott Rudin touched on this. when Paul Rudnick, not Scott Rudin. Scott Rudin Don't is bring terrible. Don't Scott Rudin Scott into Rudin, this. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't want to. I'm... Scott Rudin and I were harassing assistants he together. Produced, he produced In and Out. I, yes, yeah. but Paul Rudnick wrote it Paul and I Rudnick recently did it. an event with him yes. because Paul released a novel called Playing the Palace. I'm so sorry. That's which so is funny. wonderful, yeah. What a bit of uh, mental departure <laughs> there. Scott yes. Rudin. No, not Scott Rudin. Nobody did an interview with Scott Rudin. There may never be another one. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to recover and yeah. I'm not sure that he even should right. seems like he's kind of mean right. um, kind of at least um, but yeah you and and Paul were talking about um, about it becoming so ubiquitous mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right and that's that's about mainstreaming mm -hmm. that's about I don't think like I think that it seems to me that executives are more reticent than the public is. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't think the public gives a shit. Like, when Will and Grace came out, and that was a long time ago, mm -hmm. um, they actually had phone banks set up that were being manned by people from GLAAD to deal with the irate calls that they thought were going to come pouring in when mm -hmm. a TV show with a gay main character in it um, premiered on broadcast television, and no one called. Right, nobody called. I think executives have never quite had a handle on the large number of women, straight, gay, bisexual, who enjoy seeing romantic sexual stories about two men, two cisgendered men together. I think they've never quite understood that demographic. When they announced Brad and Tom in Interview with the Vampire, a woman I did theater, community theater with at the time said, oh, I'd pay top dollar to see those two romp around together. And I repeated that to my mother, and she said, 
Really? She said that because I've always suspected this, but I never get confirmation of it. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page, and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at facebook.com slash the dinner party show. No, I meant in the car. I think that I I think that certainly there's the ongoing um you know, the the standard of two guys loving seeing two women mm-hmm. together. But yeah, yeah, I think that is also very much the case. But I think what is also the case is that the people who would object to it are a bunch of a small uh, collection of closet cases out there. Mm-hmm. And most everybody else is just like me. They don't actually give a shit about what other people yeah. are doing in their bedroom because it's none of their business. And they're far more interested in what they're doing in their own bedroom. Yeah, totally. I just I think that's the real you know, the underlying is like, yeah, I've got actual problems. Who yeah, you're sleeping absolutely. with is not one of them. I think it is a manufactured issue that has never really, you know, been that big and that prevalent right. among large numbers of people. And I think that the people for whom it may still be an issue, it is largely a case of ignorance. Mm-hmm. Like they just simply haven't been exposed to it. Yes. Which again, underscores the case for greater representation in the media and in Mm. movies and in television. Because if you get used to seeing, you know, guys macking on each other and being in relationships and being in a couple and being the, in the rom, the stars of the Mm. rom-com or whatever else you don't, you get to a place where you don't care. I don't care when it's, I go to see a rom-com and it's two straight people. That's the thing. We have been in the business of converting these stories in our head so we could identify with them for years and years. And I think straight people are going to be just as good at that. But I think it's also impactful for straight audience members to see the similarities and the commonalities. I'm not saying every gay character Absolutely. needs to be a piece of propaganda or needs to adhere no, to glad talking not at points all. necessarily. But I think also if you elevate gay creators and allow them to tell their stories they will take risks that straight writers won't necessarily feel like they can take with their gay characters. And I'm going to make it about me if everybody's ready to drink. Oh, wow. Andrew Fleming, who wrote and directed Ideal Home, which yes. we've been talking about, uh, directed a play of mine, a short play, which I did as part of an NYU alumni showcase. You went with me to see it. Right. I met um, him. And we met him. He's great. That's... Also directed The Craft. Oh, my God. He's directed tons of stuff. I was looking yeah. on the Amazon also directed thing. He's directed a lot of big comedies, whatever. That's the end of it being about me. But I, <laughs> we'll I, see. I believe he's openly gay, wrote and directed this. Maybe it's his house. Maybe he lives in Santa Fe. I thought that might be the case, too. Maybe so. It was spectacular. But it's so it was so refreshing to me to see these two flawed, damaged, realistic gay characters roar out of the gate just not trying to um, be remotely politically correct but so real and deserving of their own film and deserving of Absolutely. their own story it was what I loved yeah, about it it was totally. really it was a really fun romp and a great Father's Day celebration yeah and I the point I wanted to add on to that is that like I think that that the fear of of doing it wrong quote unquote on the part of straight producers or straight executives of working outside of their comfort zone 
uh, is less for, I think, gay creators who are willing to get out there and put these flawed characters and say, yeah, you don't like it, come at me. I'm a member of the tribe. I will I will defend this work. Yeah. You know, if you like it's decide like, to yeah. indict I remember it. there was a show called, was it called Revenge? Yes. With um, Van, De- Van Camp. Emily Vandekamp, I believe. Emily Vandekamp, yes, maybe on that ABC. was her. Yeah. yeah, and they 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 were gearing up to have sort of this um, gay villain and his mm-hmm. terrible gay boyfriend, and then they did the nice thing, like they yeah. killed the boyfriend and um, made the gay villain, you know, went all nice on it. Yeah, it was like, the... oh, I'm so disappointed. That was because I was really looking forward to that. It was like, great, he's not going yeah. to be a role model. He's going to be I a want... gay person who is a villain. Like, I, why I not? I want it all. I want the full buffet. I want the villains. I want the heroes. I want the historical figures. I want the, I want the cops. I want the drag leads. queens. I want, I want the, the yeah. wise old man. Right. I want the miserable old fuck. I want all of it. Like, why not? Because mm-hmm. that's the way the world actually is. Like, yeah, I, totally. I'll tell you, all gay people are not ideal. I've been here doing this for a long time, and mm-hmm. I, I, there are very few that I found that I would say were, you know, idealized. They were all people. They're mm-hmm. real people with real lives and real flaws, and the same thing as any other interesting character in a television show and a movie. Yeah. But I think the bigger picture is kids, gay kids at home, because gay kids are not necessarily raised by gay parents. Most of us are raised by straight parents need to be able to be exposed to other gay people Mm -hmm. to see that that there's possibilities for them in the world Mm -hmm. um, before they can come out or even know that it's an option or know that and to feel like it's okay. And then people who are not aware of anything about gay people and maybe mistrustful or feeling badly towards gay people need to be exposed to us more so that they see that it's really like nothing. It's not that big a part of my life. I, and I think I hear this story again and again or different versions of it. If a young gay person is struggling with their sexuality and the only media representation they see of gay people are is of one type, let's go with assless chaps. I've got no objection to them, but let's say... This is back in the day. Yeah. Hypersexualized fringe characters. They will be able to look at that image and say, Yeah, that's not me, so I can't be gay. And they shove themselves deeper and deeper and deeper and or, deeper into the closet, which takes a greater to toll them. on their mental health. Or exactly, it's repellent to them. But if you've got a variety of representations out there, it helps the person come out sooner and more fully in a way that's beneficial for them. And feel less like they have to fit into to conform to some like right. one of the one of the strange side effects, I think, of having second-class culture and having to live in the closet is in, in the gay community has been an enormous amount of conformity. You have mm. to look a certain way, act a certain way, go to a mm-hmm. certain place, participate in a certain – like it is a – because – you know, in order to gain acceptance into this secret club, right. mm-hmm. you have to, and and that's just it was never really appealing to me. It was like, yeah, I, that's not who I am. You, I don't. You are not capable I don't want, of conformity, Eric. I do not want yeah. howdy doody hair. I am yeah. not interested in that. <laughs> what is howdy doody hair? Tell us what howdy doody hair. There was is. a period in West Hollywood history. It's um uh, where everybody has and. I don't know that it's completely changed, but we don't have howdy doody hair anymore. But everybody in West Hollywood had the same haircut, and it looked like that um, 
that ventriloquist dummy, Howdy Doody, <laughs> with the sort of was shaved on the sides and the bangs were all sort uh-huh. of puffed up and turned under like it looked like a soft serve ice cream um, <laughs> on the top of the, on the front of their head. And I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Like, I don't care if everybody else in town is doing that or uh, not. OK, because I think everybody is probably ready for a drink. I'm going to make this about me again. Did I ever have Howdy Doody hair, Eric Shalkley? You had white sidewalls. What does that mean? It was. It's a. It's. I think it's a military term. It's. You had that. You just were always about. Christopher has the most amazing hair, and I don't think. I think he's the only person who doesn't realize that, and so he's always been about trying to get it away from him. <laughs> I don't want it in my face. That's the problem. He just has this thing with his own hair. Anyway, even though it's fabulous, so yeah, when I first met him, it was the sides were shaved like white sidewalls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because totally. White sidewalls. Because I think I, the first person I ever heard say it was Andy Griffith on. Um, he was explaining about getting a haircut to okay. his kid because you didn't want to have white sidewalls because you'd be tanned, but when you shaved your hair ah, too close, you I could see. see the white scalp underneath it. Mm-hmm. And so I see. newbies, um, proles, and uh, new inductees in the military have white sidewalls because when they first come in, they have longish hair and they get the military buzz cut and mm-hmm. then you get the white sidewalls and then your scalp, I guess, gets tanned. I guess so, over um, time. Over time or whatever. But yeah, you had the, the sides were all scant and then the top was sort of spiky and mm-hmm. yeah. it was about keeping away from you and it took a while. To, it took a while. To get you to um, let your hair at least just sort of grow in. Mm-hmm. So, no, I don't know that you ever, I think you missed Howdy Doody hair because you were on your own sort of Hair journey, shaved hair, <laughs> shaved head kind of journey. Okay, like yeah. which was I think the I other was later than Howdy Doody hair. I think I came in after Howdy Doody hair. I think so. Back to the discussion that's interesting. I remember going to see a <laughs> because doctor. the rest of this show has just sucked. No, I'm go- I'm going off of me and my vanity oh, and I narcissism see. and back onto your your interesting analysis of conformity in the gay community. We went to see a documentary which shall remain nameless. It was actually pretty well done, but it was about the leather community. And we walked out afterwards, and you said. <laughs> Were they at all ever going to talk about how conformist the leather community is? I mean, it's literally about dressing the same. Yeah. It's li- you literally it's like a uniform. wear the same clothes. And I'm not talking about the BDSM community. That's a separate thing. I'm talking about the gay leather community. And it's still fine. Right. Like, there's nothing, no no judgment. Like, do whatever you want to. You can dress like a marching band if you want to. But it was very, I was really taken with. Mm-hmm. how about conforming it was yeah. because it was very the costumes were very particular there was some level of individuality about it but not a lot mm-hmm. absolutely like nobody was wearing purple leather or <laughs> chartreuse leather it was all black you know what i mean so we're starting from there <laughs> that may be a thing but i've never seen it i'm i'm we're starting it here purple leather we're going to do it it's going to have a fright wig involved it's going to be jewelry it's going to be the yeah, new yeah i leather. have life size picture i getting christopher to wear a christmas hat is a struggle i have a life size picture of you wearing a fright I, wig and purple leather i had a very unfortunate early fashion period which is captured in some photos i had a sort of some photos well they've been destroyed many of them and this was before the a lot age of them of were the distributed internet. on the this, in the media yes, they were no they were they were really 
bad. And they were, I, I let my girlfriend at the time, she wasn't really my girlfriend, take me out with my mother's credit card and get some, just what passed for high fashion at the time. And let's just say to get it on, I would have to shave my whole body and then sort of oil down. I never really did this, but I just sort of half, like the pants were so tight and pleather. It was really an unfortunate period. And that is why today I only wear jeans and polo shirts because I'm so traumatized by how horrible I look during that period of my life. I thought you only wore jeans and polo shirts because I only wear jeans and polo shirts. No, I only wore jeans and polo shirts when I met you, didn't I? Isn't that how it works? Who's you, you What do they wearing, do when you make it about you? They you drink wearing, when I make it about me. They should have some, I don't know, fondue wearing, when it's about you. You used to wear those little, um, the little button front I cotton did, shirts. Yeah, and that's what you were wearing when I met right, you. That's right, the H&M shit. Yeah. yeah. I, listen, it's an interesting conversation about conformity because it's ultimately, there's nothing worse than coming out of the closet and then feeling like you're going to be rejected by the new community you're trying Absolutely. to migrate into. So it produces these little islands of conformity and bitchy clicks and all that sort of stuff. Well, but also you find people that are like, oh yeah, that looks good. I'm going to go with yeah, that. Totally. Well, that looks comfortable. Like I wear what's comfortable. I always wear white socks, black shoes. <laughs> I'll tell you. Blue jeans and a polo shirt. If That's... I went out of the house in white shoes and, uh, excuse me, black shoes and white socks, my mother would say to me, are you a movie usher? Why are you wearing that color combination? I was <laughs> just like, and I thought it was smart. I love the way it looks on you. I love it. I yeah. would, like Because you don't ever have to match socks. All of my socks are the same yeah. color. So I just buy a dozen at a time. And when they get worn, I throw them out and get another dozen. Like. It's it's just it's so easy. Mm-hmm. Two socks and I've got socks. Yeah. How do we get off on this? We were talking about conformity and clothing, yeah. and we actually was your declaration that you were going to wear purple leather in a fright wig. I, I was I will. like, I don't see that happening. I will. I mm. wore a sundress once on Twitter for fourteen seconds. For fourteen seconds, long enough to take the off. picture, and then he took it off. And I was in much better shape. I'm in my pandemic shape right yeah, now. It was about showing off. It was about showing off. Those were the days. But what um, we were talking about was representation. We were talking about representation and how it has an impact. And I, I think there can be, as we talked about, I believe, on our previous podcast episode, there can be a dark side of it where the over-hyper-policing of gay, of gay characters. It's not the right type of gay character. It's not, the, it's not, it's not uh, achieving the political ends that I think the character needs to achieve. Yeah. And that's why I'm always about the buffet. I want the buffet. I want soup to nuts. I want and that's going want... to mean that we're just going to have to be out there more. They're going yeah. to have to be more characters, more um, gay characters. I, Green Lantern. I that's yeah they're gonna do the original Green Lantern Alan Scott is gonna be a gay closeted FBI agent which I am really excited about and the the oh. the casting rumors oh, if they, they come true Irvine. I will be very pleased god, about that, that. Jeremy is Irvine so is just oh my god yeah <laughs> and, uh, um but that you know it, like let's it's, keep it mature let's be starting, sophisticated no no I'm not gonna be mature yeah. about Green Lantern and Jeremy <laughs> Irvine forget it um <laughs> we can be mature about something else but that's not gonna be it. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, you know, it's coming, it's starting, but it is really incredibly slow and great resistance. You know, I, I think that a lot of times the studios are run by white men and they Mm -hmm. don't want to see themselves represented in that way. Mm -hmm. And it really cuts into, yeah, it's really, yeah, yeah. it is, you know, and I think, I wonder if it's going to start to happen on TV before it happens with big feature films. I mean, I think it's happening a lot. Like Shonda is incredibly embracing of it, although Mm. not on, um, 
Bridgerton. It, it killed my. It killed Bridgerton switch. for me. I dropped Bridgerton because they just really, the gay characters were so marginalized and so background that I was just like, yeah, no, never and, mind. And they were placed in the trailer for it. That was the thing that yeah. really pissed people off. There was a glimpse of them in the trailer as if there was going to be this big gay affair, and there really it was nowhere to be. And seen it surprised me because Shanta is incredibly embracing of it. She even says it's not gay sex scenes; it's just sex scenes. And she's done a lot. She should get yeah. a lot of credit. And I give her all the credit in the world. So I was really surprised when Bridgerton um, went that way. And I have not watched. I watched a couple of episodes and then quit because I was like, yeah, no, this isn't going to be it for me. Um, And uh, I certainly uh, Ryan Murphy has has done, you know, like. Yeoman's work. Yeah. And Greg Berlanti, too. And Greg Berlanti. Those three. Greg Berlanti, my God. The thing that he did with Brothers and Sisters where the gay characters were just a part of the plot. Right. They were a couple having couple issues and then having married couple issues and then having married couple with children's issues. It had nothing to do. Like, they were gay, but that was just sort of like... Mm Uh, maybe an interesting shade to it, but it was still, they were dealing with the same stuff that all the other characters were dealing with, which is like, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we've been saying. Yeah, totally. So yeah, really big points for him because nothing special. No. Like just gay. Like no big deal. Love that about his work. And yeah, and Ryan Murphy is just kicking the doors down and pushing boundaries all over the place. So I really appreciate it. But even little stuff like Bill, Mm -hmm. including LeFou and- Bill Condon, Bill the Condon director of Beauty and, and the and Beast, I, right? I think he wrote, did he write it as well? I, I, don't, I don't know, know but the answer to that. He's yeah. such a good writer, I hope so. But it yeah. was very well done, whoever wrote it. And it, but including that character there and having that representation, even in a small way in that Disney film, right. was like, that was that's groundbreaking. It is, it is. For a little gay boy and a little gay girl somewhere to sort of see those things kind of began out there in the world. And here's hoping yeah. for more of them so that next Father's Day, there's five or 10 or 15 gay family movies as opposed mm-hmm. to just two. Absolutely. Squeaky Queens demand Squeaky more Queens. gay movies. Squeaky Queens. All right. What's uh, coming up next time, Next week, we are back with another true crime TV club. This is going to be an interesting one. It doesn't include a murder or a kidnapping. Uh, but we believe what happened to the gay man at the center of the documentary, Bridegroom, certainly qualifies as a crime in oh our eyes. Oh, my God, it does. And that's why it will be the subject of our second True Crime TV club during Pride Month. Uh, the documentary we will be serving up is called Bridegroom, and it's available on Amazon Prime Video and other streaming platforms. And as we always remind you here, you can enjoy True Crime TV Club without watching the documentary or special in question. Or we hope you will. Yes. <laughs> we will... Uh, serve it up in such steaming detail that you will feel like you've watched it. And there is also what we call the Cindy Conforti rule here at TDPS, where she did watch it and said, I would much rather go with your version because I found the original uh, repetitive. And that was something with commercial breaks. But I don't think that's going to be the case with Bridegroom. I don't think so. I recommend that if you can watch it, you should, because it really is, uh, I think, something that you you ought to see. And and we will be talking about it in depth one way or the other, whether you've seen it or not. Yes. Spoiler alert, next week we will not be pulling punches. We will be talking about uh, the whole film. Absolutely. And until then and forever after, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you've been listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. And we're proud of it. Thanks.
This is TDPS.